you can be in balance in all of these doshas, but they can all be in excess as well. And that's where you'll kind of see some of those like symptoms or signs or things that you don't necessarily want to mm -hmm. have of that dosha. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to the very first episode of the Tea Please podcast. Wow, pretty cool. You know what else is cool? A new freaking year. Welcome to the first week of 2021. If you're like me and feeling a little wounded, I get it. Like I'm having flashbacks of last year's, writing down my goals in my new journal, feeling so hopeful. And then, I mean, you know what happened? Things did not go as planned. It was a hard AF year. Like this is going to be something we look back on and tell all the new youths when they're complaining about having to go literally anywhere. Like, yeah, in 2020, we weren't allowed to go anywhere because there was a global pandemic. So yes, you have to go to whatever it is that you don't want to go to, you know? But for real, I'm really hopeful 2021 is going to be a big relief. And if you've been struggling like I have and so many others, I hope you find relief in this next year too. All right, so eventually I plan to get some brand sponsorships on this podcast and hopefully make some money. You know, I would like to quit my full-time job. So I'm just going to do some unsolicited shout outs in these intros for some of my favorite brands and products to get you used to it, let you know that I'm really not gonna promote anything unless I truly, truly love it. So this is completely unpaid, but something I really, really love and think that you would love too. So this week I wanna shout out Noon, N-U-U-N. They're these tablets that you put in your water and have a ton of vitamins and minerals in them and they just taste so good and they feel really good after you drink them. It's like a healthier version of Gatorade without the sugar, or at least that's how I see them. I love the lime sport plus caffeine flavor. It tastes just like lime sherbet. Not sure how, but it's super nostalgic. And I love to take this one after an afternoon workout. So refreshing and it's a perfect pick-me-up in the afternoon and can get you over that afternoon lull that no one has time for. I also love the strawberry melon vitamin one. No caffeine, so I like to take this one in the morning before my coffee, and it's just perfect. It helps me get water first thing in the morning, like a full glass, and gives me all the daily vitamins. Vitamin A, C, D, E, all the above. And they also have immunity blends that have extra vitamin C in them, um, and they also have rest and recovery blends. So muscle fatigue, they have a lot of magnesium in those ones. I love them. Seriously, after I drink noon, I feel so much better and I just love this product. Check them out in the show notes. All right, today we're talking to a good friend of mine, Allie Judy. She's just the best. She's a certified yoga teacher and Ayurveda counselor. And let me tell you, she has so many tips on how to weave Ayurvedic concepts like meditation, yoga, diet, herbs, and rituals into a very practical, manageable, authentic lifestyle. In this episode, we get into the characteristics of Ayurveda, practical tips, and self-care practices, the three doshas. If you don't know what those are, then keep on listening because we cover it all. Also, definitely subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. New episodes are every single Monday. And with that, let's spill some tea. When did you first start? Like, how did you know that you wanted to learn more about Ayurveda? Like, where did that interest come from? I think since I was pretty young. So my mom's a paramedic. I'll start at the beginning. Um, she's a paramedic. And so she's always really ingrained in us, our whole family that preventative care is better than fixing the problem once you have it. Um, she just seen that in her patients and people she picks up, how many prescriptions they're on and how it's so hard once you're kind of on that track and once the ball's rolling in that direction to come back from it. So I've always kind of thought of preventative and holistic treatments um, before the problem gets there. But then 
I think what really made me want to go into it as a career is when I was about 22, I started having um, like arthritic symptoms, which seemed very wild to me at the age of 22. Because What did that feel like? Like what were you feeling? Um, it was mostly in my hands. Um, it kind of came out of nowhere and they were just very stiff. There's a lot of pain involved, but at the time it kind of came and went. Like it would pop up for a day or two and then go away for... I don't know, a month or a week. And it would kind of come back and forth. And it, was, it wasn't very long then. It didn't affect me very much at the time. So I didn't really think much about it. But the longer it went on, the longer it stayed around and the worse it got. And besides that, I felt really healthy. I was in shape. I was working out. I was doing yoga. Um, I'd, I've never had any other health issues. So it seemed very odd um, to have that. And I think I, I started looking for methods to treat it that were holistic. And I don't really know where I heard the term Ayurveda very first, but I got on a website and I took a little test and kind of got down the, the path of what I should be eating for my symptoms and some lifestyle changes that would help. And they all were things that made complete sense to me. Um, and I started trying them out and I found a lot of relief pretty fast. And I think that Having that healing myself, it totally solidified that like this does work and mm -hmm. that people could benefit from like very, very simple lifestyle changes. And so I think I just wanted to share that with other people and help them yeah. with those kind of autoimmune symptoms that so many people struggle with. So did you not feel like the symptoms in your like hands, like joint pain, did that go away or does it, is it still there and helped you manage it? Um, kind of both. At first I found relief right away, like really fast. Um, and it did seem to kind of go away and then I would fall off, you know, and I, I wouldn't stick to those healthy lifestyle ways and the diet. And I would go back to my old ways and then it would come back. And I think that's what that is what really made me believe in it because mm -hmm. I, I knew when I was sticking to this way of living and this diet and this lifestyle, it was working. And then the second I would go off of it and I'd go back to my old ways, they would those symptoms would come back. So yeah, it did. I think if I stuck to it really well, it would definitely have have helped completely, but it, it's just really hard to do that, you know, 24 yeah. seven all the time. Yeah. What were the old ways and the new ways? Like what were you implementing that would make you feel like what you felt before if you stopped doing it? Like what did you start implementing that made a difference? So when I was taking those quizzes and I got on like a food list, Ayurveda heals with opposites. So the foods that I was telling me that I should be avoiding was pretty much all of the things I was doing. Um, I was eating not the best food choices, um, like fried food, things that are a little more inflammatory, more heating. I was drinking a lot more at the time because I was 21, 22. Uh, I wasn't sleeping very much. I was drinking a lot of coffee, which is really acidic and heating. And then all the foods that it was telling me I should be eating and the things I should be doing just made total sense. They sounded like they were going to feel better to my body. It just sounded more cooling and anti-inflammatory. So yeah, I think I was just doing all of the heating aggravating things to that arthritis. Um, and then once I started doing more of like a cooling diet, eating a little more healthy, um, taking in less acidic foods, my body just instantly felt better. That makes sense because arthritis is an inflammatory disease. Like if you're feeling arthritic pain, it's because there's inflammation. Like that's in the definition of arthritis, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so what are some of the cooling elements that you brought in? Um, like what were some of those foods or anything else that like helped bring that inflammation down? I would say the biggest thing and still to this day, it's something I struggle with and most clients and people I see struggle with it is hydration. Your body's going to be inflamed if it's not hydrated. And I just, 
I kind of think of like how diluted things are in your body. So if you have a little bit of toxin or a little bit of something that's inflammatory in you know, gallons of water, that's probably not going to bother you. But if you put that same thing in something that's super dry and, you know, a cup of water, that's going to be pretty, um, pretty drastic and change that, you know, that chemical imbalance there. So hydration, I would say is number one thing, eating more cooling foods, like actual spices and herbs like cilantro and cucumbers and celery, things that are also cooling and hydrating. Um, and then uh, I think avoiding is huge is avoiding those, you know, caffeine and more acidic heating qualities. Yeah. So do you not drink coffee anymore? I don't. I I will drink a coffee like here or there. Um, and that's mostly I figured out this arthritis kind of was the very first symptom for lupus, which is what I just figured out in the last year that I have. Mm. Um, and that's all having to do with the kidneys. So my kidneys were just super inflamed and which also that hydration comes back there. Yeah. Um, and I think just the less your, my kidneys had to do, the less it had to filter, the better. So I just took out all things that are hard on the kidneys, which, you know, caffeine and alcohol for sure. I will drink very occasionally. I'll have like half a glass of wine and then same with coffee. The other day I just wanted, really wanted an ice latte. So I got one. Yeah. When I go camping, I love to have a cup of coffee in the morning. But besides that, I just stick to matcha. I haven't really noticed all that much, to be honest. Ca- caffeine's never really bothered me. Um, but I, I do think that it's helping because my symptoms are gone. I am still on some medication, so it's not 100% mm-hmm. just Ayurveda and diet, but um, I, I do feel better. So I, I think internally it's definitely helping more than I can see. Yeah. Is what you're implementing to kind of manage the lupus symptoms similar to managing the arthritic symptoms or are there differences in those two? Like um, diseases is not the right word or maybe it is, but I can't yeah. find the right one. <laughs> are they different or like are they the same are you treating them the same with like Ayurvedic principles? They are really similar in like so many ways, so many qualities, which is how we describe things in Ayurveda. So they're both pretty heating. They're both inflammatory. And so, yes, I would say, yeah. Um, the only thing that I do now that I figured out that it's lupus is focus a little more on my kidneys. Um, I now know how important hydration is and how important, you know, those herbs and to be nice to your kidneys, um, how, how I really should be focusing there. Um, and then I also take some herbs and things that would help to like clean out my kidneys and like help them function, which I wasn't really focusing on at all with just arthritis. So yeah, um, same principles, but I think I'm just a little more like specific about it now. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned herbs, which I wanted to ask you about. It's on my list of questions for you of, Because when I think of Ayurveda, I've done like a few Ayurvedic workshops, but that's some of the extent of like my knowing about it. And I love learning about the different herbs and what they can do for you. So what are some of your favorites and how do you take them? How do you implement them into your day? My favorite, because they're so useful, is just your standard like cooking herbs. There's something that it's it's not as intimidating to people Mm -hmm. to bring in and you probably already have them in your kitchen. What are some of those? Anything from like salt and pepper to, you know, like cayenne, oregano, parsley, cumin, cardamom, fennel. I mean, these are just very basic that, you know, are in a lot of recipes that you'd already use. 
but they're also helpful to your digestive system. They really kind of kickstart your digestive fire and they help you, you know, metabolize things and process it and absorb it. And I mean, when that's not functioning, that's very much so the root of Ayurveda. We focus on the digestive system first. And if that's not functioning, you know, you're going to start having these other symptoms. So mm-hmm. that fixing that and getting that on point is like number one. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I just say your standard kitchen herbs and it, it could really be anything, just spices in general, making things a little warmer um, for that fire mm-hmm. is number one. Okay. With digestive issues, like what how would you know if you have digestive issues? Like what can that look like? And like, cause I'm sure there's a lot of different directions I could go, but it is, it's kind of crazy because when I started learning about Ayurveda, one thing that they kept saying was if you're feeling any symptom after eating, like that's a digestive issue, which is wild because I don't know almost anyone who doesn't feel any type of symptom after yeah. eating from like heaviness to gas, to bloating, to feeling sleepy, you know, all of those things are are telling you something. They're telling you that you did a little bit too much, not enough, you ate too fast, you ate the wrong foods. Um, So yeah, I mean, they could look like anything. They could be more like elimination issues, having, you know, drier stools, looser stools, going irregularly, um, being hungry at all different times and kind of lack of schedule. Symptoms in general, if you're feeling something, your body's trying to tell you something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like my body's trying to tell me something. I yeah it's hard to there's so many different like elements of it too which is why I wanted to talk to you about like this lifestyle because just in this 10 minute conversation we've covered like herbs we've covered (laughs) digestive issues heating cooling so let's talk a little bit about the like the qualities that you were talking about because I've seen some charts (laughs) of what those elements are or the qualities. So can you talk us through what those are and what we can, how we can use those to like make decisions? I would say that's like the number one thing that Ayurveda has probably taught me is to notice these qualities and to just have awareness of the qualities in your body and in the things that you're taking in. So those qualities, there's 10 opposing. So there's 20 total. Um, And those, I mean, they're hot, cold, dry, moist, rough, smooth, um, light, heavy. I mean, the list goes on and you are looking to find those qualities in, you know, your food, your activities, your conversations, your work, your routines. And then you want to like take in the opposites of what you're feeling. So kind of pinpointing those same qualities on your symptoms and then whatever those hold, you know, if your symptoms are feeling super heavy and moist, you're going to take in more dry light elements or foods or or things, you know, it kind of gets a little tricky because it's so simple Mm -hmm. that it's kind of hard to learn those and notice what they are. But I think just trying to have that awareness in the beginning, it would be like the very first step you could take, we could all take, you know, when you look down at your plate of food to just sit there and think, is this food dry? Is it moist? Um, Is it heavier, you know, like bread and heavier meats? Or is it a little lighter, like a kale salad, you know, taste? Are they, is it more bitter? Is it more sweet? And kind of what those feel like in your body, Um, just noticing what you're taking in and how it makes you feel. And then you can kind of conclude what you might need more of or Mm -hmm. less of. With those qualities, because you mentioned that they can be applied to to everything, like not just food. I think that's a really tangible example of how you can start cultivating yeah. that awareness. But my question is, can you like balance that out? So say you're eating something really heavy. Can you balance that out with something that's not food related, like to give you still that balance yeah. of qualities? 
Yeah, I think the more the more areas that you're balancing, the better for sure. You know, sometimes you go out to eat or you go to your friend's house and they're just cooking a meal and it might not be exactly what you need to take in. And like, by no means is that an issue, you know, take it and enjoy your meal. And then maybe that day through all your other activities, your exercise routine, your self-care practices, you know, you, you take in the opposite. So you kind of make up for that. And that's, you know, that is Ayurveda is it's not, you know, don't be hard on yourself for the one thing, but in all the other areas that you can control and that you get to choose, um, to choose the things that are better for you. So yeah, it's anything you take in is going to have an effect on you, whether it's, it's your meals or your, your exercise or, you know, any practices you do throughout the day. Mm -hmm. Walk us through an example of how you would balance something out in your day, whether it's like food related or experience related, whatever. Okay. Hmm. Okay. So say you have, you're like having a really busy day. You have a lot of things on your schedule. It's like very, very fiery, you know, focus driven. So much is going on, but then in the morning you could choose to, and and you know, that, that aspect, that work environment, you can't really control. It's just what you do. It's how you make money. It's there. You could control all the other aspects, like waking up in the morning a little earlier and taking a cooler shower to kind of cool that fire down. Um, Maybe doing a little slow abhyanga, like self oil massage with like a cool oil, like a coconut oil, Um, taking time for yourself in the morning, maybe a really light, gentle, like yoga practice or just some movement, um, not a hot yoga class, you know, that would kind of increase that fire and that, that intensity, but maybe a restorative practice or just sitting in a meditation instead, you could balance that same work environment out with your, you know, your meals. So eating more cooling foods, taking in those cucumbers, eating like salads, things that are a little less fiery, not hot wings, you know, or like a spicy Thai meal. So yeah, like all the other areas that I can pick, I'm going to I'm going to kind of plan for that and then choose cooling more like nourishing things instead of that intensity and that heat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. It is hard. I think the awareness can be overwhelming because it's so like the principle like you said is simple, but it can be applied in so many different areas, so it can be hard to like decide what to do like based yeah. on that. And yeah, I think that it can be just be overwhelming, but it, I mean, you can baby step it in. Yeah, <laughs> it is it is so vast. That's It's kind of the more I get into it, the more I figure out there is to know, you know? So it, mm-hmm. in the beginning, I'm like, oh yeah, I know this. And, you know, and it seems like totally approachable. And then the more and more you learn, it kind of does get a little overwhelming. You can get in the weeds really quickly. Yeah, for sure. And I, that's why I think just picking like one or two areas of your life to practice this in the beginning, whether that's just like one or two of your self-care practices or your food or your exercise routine, just like sticking to the one or two things, Mm -hmm. you know, and once you have those down and you really feel like you can choose and balance those out, maybe you add another one. You know, you don't have to do it all at once for sure. Yeah. And we haven't even talked about one of the other like elements I wanted to ask you about, which is the doshas. Whole nother layer on top of the qualities and the other aspects that we've already touched on. So how does that fit in? And like, well, I guess we'll just start with like, what are the doshas and what do they mean? So yeah, I think if anyone has even dipped their toe in Ayurveda, you've probably seen the word dosha. Um, And this is just a biological energy is how they kind of describe it. And one more layer kind of before the doshas is the elements. And so these doshas are composed of two of the five elements. There's three doshas and those all have two elements. So yeah, I'll just kind of go through all three and just a brief explanation. 
Vata dosha is made up of air and ether. Um, its idea is movement. So it kind of governs all movement that's happening in the body. That's like actual movement of your joints, movement of your elimination, you know, through your digestive system, movement of your thoughts. Nothing's really moving without that vata dosha. And I kind of think of air and ether, which ether is just space as wind in the actual, you know, in the actual world and the environment. So it's just that wind inside of your own body. Um, People who are very vata dominant um, physically are going to be pretty thin and lean, um, just smaller in nature, a little skinnier, skinnier features, skinny nose, um, thin lips, smaller eyes, you might have some thinner hair. Um, But then personality wise, vata people are a little more bubbly, a little more lighthearted, they might be a little more creative because they have all that movement of thoughts, you know, those ideas are happening. And they're usually like a social butterfly, you might kind of already be thinking of a couple people in your life Mm -hmm. that are very Vata-like. That's what I think you are. Is that what you are? Yeah, I'm very, I'm Vata dominant for sure. And we are, we are kind of all in a, a certain amount of all three doshas. So you might see like a little bit of each as I'm describing these, you know, we all have all three. Pitta dosha is fire and water, just a little water. Right off the bat, you can probably imagine these people are a little fiery. They're a little sharper. They're very logical. They're very perceptive. They're probably the kid in class that jumped up as, you know, the group leader, taking charge of those group projects. Um, They might be your boss. They also hold that fire in their digestive system. So they might lean a little more towards having, you know, looser, fiery stools. They might crave some of those spicy foods. Um, And then physically... The pitta shows up as, I kind of think of it as moderation because I kind of think of the fire and the water containing each other. So, you know, since they are kind of opposite elements, they're not letting either one go overboard. So pitta is very um, moderate. So medium features, moderate nose, moderate eyes. They're very muscular in nature. Their body's very proportionate. Um, and they might have a little more like angularity in their in their face and their features, more like a square shape mm-hmm. to them. Um, and Pitta's idea is transformation and digestion, you know, kind of a fire. You think of like a fire burning through wood, mm-hmm. you know, it just kind of transforms anything that comes in its so path. So they might have like a fast metabolism. For sure. And that's, you know, that's why they are so muscular and they might not hold on to weight as easily as some of the other doshas. I think yeah. Taylor's that. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is fun once you kind of learn the doshas to kind of spot them out in, mm-hmm. in people and their personalities and their physical structures. Yeah. And then the last dosha is kapha dosha. And it is composed of earth and water. Right off the bat, you can probably tell these people are going to have a little more like substance to them. Um, just physically and, you know, more in their mental state. They're just a little more, have a little more structure. They're softer. They're more compassionate. Um, they're sweeter. In their body, they are a little more stocky. So their bones might be a little shorter than a vata person. Um, they might gain weight a little more easily. They definitely are not overweight. All of these doshas can be in balance or out of balance. And their features are definitely softer and round, just kind of those round cheeks, rounder face, mm-hmm. maybe a little bigger nose, some big, nice lips, um, thicker hair. And Kappa's dosha um, idea is that structure. It's like totally stable. They like the way things are. They might be a little more stubborn if you know someone like that. Um, yeah, they just like like things how they are and they want to stick to those. Um, it might be a little hard for them to kind of change their mind or, or change their schedule. Mm-hmm. I think I'm that one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I could see that. Yeah, kind of see Vata in you too. I kind of yeah. Vata Kappa. 
I think, yeah, it's like the balance. I can definitely tell when I'm feeling more or which one I, I go to in like my coping mechanisms is definitely more COPPA related. Like I'm the one who just like wants to be under a blanket and like watching Netflix when I'm feeling overwhelmed, like yeah. I shut down. And I feel like that's more COPPA, like on the COPPA side of things where as Vata, like, and correct me if I'm not speaking to no, like, yeah, yeah. where they are, but I feel like a Vata person, if they're overwhelmed, like they're the one who's kind of like filling their schedule really busy. Like they want to check things off yeah. their list. They want to get stuff done. And I'm normally like, nope, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do anything. <laughs> Finding that like safe comfort space. Yeah. And that's, that's, I mean, there's just layers on layers on layers. I feel like I keep yeah. saying layers, but that is one more layer to the doshas is that you are, you can be in balance in all of these doshas, but they can all be in excess as well. And that's where you'll kind of see some of those like symptoms or signs or things that you don't necessarily want to Mm -hmm. have of that dosha. So yeah, Vata might have a little more anxiety or, you know, faster speech or kind of be all over the place since they have Mm -hmm. so much of that movement. They might be more worried or overwhelmed easily. And then, you know, Pitta, they might get a little more intense or angry or critical when that fire is in excess. And then, yeah, Kappa does kind of get more reclusive and maybe like leans towards depression or melancholy Mm -hmm. and just kind of like mopey when they get out of balance. So yeah, I think that we can all probably see a little imbalance and out of balance in all of those. Mm -hmm. To me, I feel like the doshas are like a lens to look through with the other elements that we talked about of like the qualities and like the self-care practices to, to determine what you need. It kind of gives you that lens and it's like another version of a personality test to me. Like it's just another way that you can identify who you are in like a different way. Um, So I think that's really interesting too. Yeah, it just kind of like categorizes them, you know, instead of them just being all their own things. It's like more of an idea, you yeah. know, grouping of them. Um, and yeah, just like the elements and the qualities that you can apply to all things, like you can put all activities and, and things and food in these three dosha categories as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it is just another little, a little grouping, a little layer. Yeah, I'm about to add another one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I wanted to ask you about um, cause the doshas can be seasonal, right? Like yeah. they're applied to the seasons or different. You can tell me, cause I don't know, like is one specifically for spring? Are they categorized differently? And then, um, what does that look like in the winter months? What, what dosha season are we in? And then how can you kind of nurture that time? So yeah, they are, they're applied to our seasons as well. Um, so we probably would guess that Pitta is summer, you know, when it's hotter and there's way more fire happening. Um, and so that's totally the summer season. Um, Kappa with more of the moisture and like, you know, things are blooming and nourishing and there's a lot of rain. Things are just like more moist and lush, um, more of the earth and water. That's going to be the springtime. And then more air, you know, windy, drier season is going to be the month or the winter <laughs> uh, would make a little more sense. So the winter is the Vata Dosha. So that is where we're at right now. Um, and so since it is air and ether, you know, we want some warmth, we want some moisture, and we want some grounded, you know, more like earth stableness. So you could, you know, balance by kind of nurturing and like nourishing that vata dosha. So maybe you do rest a little bit more, you don't pack your schedule full and like, you know, like once like, so in the vata months, you might want to do more and kind of busy yourself with any little task, but it would probably be better for you to not do that and to kind of stay at home and, you know, be under that blanket and watch your Netflix and sounds good to me. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, um, 
take some more restorative yoga classes, practice that abhyanga, that self-oil massage, um, drink some more tea, read some books you've been wanting to read. Yeah, just really like nourish that vata, that dryness, um, rejuvenate it and kind of get it ready for spring, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of building up that kapha for the springtime. Yeah. I think that's an important message too, because in the winter months, people talk about seasonal depression a lot. And like, I definitely experience that. And we acknowledge that there's this slowdown from the days getting shorter. We don't have as much light. And then there's just a lot of guilt for that. It's a clash of what's happening in the world and our environment. And then like what we feel like we need to do. So I just think that's really important to say, like, if you do want to slow down, great. Like that is going to serve you better in those months. And then you'll be more like ready to take on the busier months. Yeah. I, I feel that like a hundred percent. I, when I don't have things to do, I feel so guilty, like just to be sitting around my house, like watching TV in the middle of the day. Like, yeah, it just seems wrong to me, you know? And I, I think that's, so instilled in us in our society the more you're doing your success is very much so rooted in you know your product productivity Mm -hmm. so the more you do the more you work the more money you make like that's where you are successful and ayurveda would tell you the exact opposite you know the more time you slow down the more you chill the more you just take care of yourself like that is your success Mm -hmm. so yeah it's hard to change your mindset but like appreciate the slower months you know everything in the world is slowing down there, you know, animals slow down, nature slows down, like just things aren't happening. So you might as well take that time to slow down yourself, you yeah. know, and not do as much. Especially because, you know, it's going to pick up again. So yeah. you might as well like take the rest where you can get it and like where sure. it's intuitive to take it. Yeah. And I, we want it when we don't have it and yeah. then we get it. And then we're like, what do we do with yeah. this? You know, and it's like, <laughs> this is the time um, for sure. Yeah. Okay. So you talked a little bit about like some self-care practices and you mentioned Abhyanga a few times. So what is that? It is... I would say probably my favorite self-care practice. Okay, I was going to ask you what your favorite thing is. Um, And probably in the, the winter for sure. Since I am Vata, I do run very dry. I am always cold. My fingers, my toes, always freezing. So Abhyanga just sounds like the best thing ever to me. It is a warm self-oil massage. So traditionally, it's a pretty lengthy practice. They would, you know, heat the oil and this would be before a shower or a bath. And you'd really take time going from either your head to your toes or your toes to your head, depending on what you're trying to balance, and giving yourself a full body massage. Changing the oil depending on what you're trying to balance as well. So heavier oils for more vata people, you know, cooler oils for pitta, um, more stimulating for vata. So you'd pick your oil, you'd warm it up, and you'd give yourself that massage, and then you'd leave it on for 20, 30 minutes and kind of let it soak in. You could be doing a meditation, a yoga practice, and then rinsing it off and, you know, just taking a really quick shower, rinsing excess off. I do that full practice every once in a while, but to be honest, you know, with our fast-paced schedules, Mm -hmm. we all don't have time for that. Um, And I I don't blame you. And I think a really good start to, you know, attempt this, but make it a little shorter would be to do like a little foot oil massage in the evening, especially if you have insomnia or, you know, anxiety, trouble sleeping, just trouble winding down at night. This is like so grounding. I kind of think of it as like pulling our energy down from our headspace to our feet making us heavier and, you know, spending just like five, 10 minutes doing something that's not, you know, screen related, not on our phones, not watching TV, just spending a little time with yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I I think that would be like a really awesome start that's not so intimidating, you know, lengthy practice. 
Okay. I love yeah. that. I've done it a few times after like some of the workshops that I've gone to. And yeah, like traditionally I think it does take a while because yeah. there's like, you have to heat it in a specific way or they have some like tool that you can use to do that. But so I like that it's like an instruction to be nice to yourself and like, yeah. do something that feels good. <laughs> it is. It's like a huge practice of self-love, Um, you know, just to like take a second to give our bodies a massage because, you know, we, we pay other people to do that, but it's like, why why not? Why can't just you just do it yourself, you know? And you might notice, you know, maybe your joint hurts or like you have, you know, some your skin's a little more red or you just notice little things that are going on with your body that you might not have noticed if you just rushed out of the shower, got dressed and left. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it is it is long. So I think just make it work for you. If you have to modify it, if you have to shorten it, just use oil as a moisturizer and not do excess mm-hmm. to leave on, but just kind of use that as your lotion after the shower when it's all warm in your bathroom. You could totally do that. Having a practice that you don't do is less effective than just shortening a practice that you will do, you know? Mm-hmm. So would you do that mostly at night or is there a time of day that you would recommend doing that? Again, I mean, if you're not going to do it at night and you do it in the morning, do it in the morning. You know, if it doesn't work for you in the morning, do it at night. I pretty much just do it when I have time. So yeah. if I have a day that's a little slower and I have time to squeeze it in midday when I'm about to shower, I'll do it then. I'd say evenings would be really nice if you have that insomnia. And then if you have a little trouble getting started in the morning, like maybe you do use a little more stimulating oil, like a, a mustard seed or safflower that's like, you know, a little more heating and you kind of give yourself like a faster, more like invigorating massage in the mm-hmm. morning. So yeah, you could change that too to fit your your imbalance. So are there things that you would recommend doing in the morning to set yourself up? What are some things that you could do in the morning to like have a really great day and feel good? I would say the two the two practices that I do every morning, um, regardless of time of year or day or imbalance, would be a warm lemon water. Very first thing in the morning before your coffee, before you put anything else in your digestive system. The warmness is going to stimulate your digestive system and so is the lemon. It's sour and it's, you know, it is kind of that fiery element. And I really love, learned to love that practice. I did not always crave that warm beverage in the morning, but now that I do it, when I don't have it, I miss it. And then another practice that I do every morning is um, tongue scraping, which sounds a little funny to most people. But once again, once you start doing it, you really feel like you're missing something. Yeah, I have a don't. tongue scraper and I'm like, wow, I like don't know how I never not use this. I know. And then when you don't do it, you feel like you really Gross. need to. Yeah, like you really should have got that off. But that just stimulates your your digestive system too by massaging your tongue. And all that coating and that stuff that's kind of built up overnight we're ridding ourselves of it, getting it off and kind of clearing our taste buds for the rest of the day. Um, it's going to make your breath smell a little better because that's just bacteria. That's just toxins sitting in there. So the more we can get out, the better. Um, and it's just setting your tongue up to take in food and, you know, taste those elements and those qualities throughout the day. And you just feel a little cleaner, a little better. I love it. It is gross though. <laughs> it is. Isn't there stuff that you can look for? Like, doesn't the coating mean something or it can, if you, yeah. Can you look for? There are like whole books on your tongue. On tongue scraping. Yeah. On like what different things on your tongue mean. And they're super interesting if you have any interest in this, but just some like basic things you can look for on your tongue are cracks are definitely hydration. So, or dehydration, I should say. Um, so if you have those, the deeper the crack, the more dehydrated you might be. Um, scallops. So like those little kind of ridges, like bumps on the edge of your tongue, 
are a sign of malabsorption, just mm, not taking in. I have this. It's just like you're not absorbing your food or your, you know, those vitamins and minerals like you should be. Something's just not getting digested right. So yeah, maybe using a little more digestive spices or, you know, kickstarting your digestive system before your meals could be beneficial. Um, and then the coating, yeah, anything from the color to the amount of coating could tell you something. Like more of a white, thick coating is definitely a COPPA imbalance. A little more like mucus in the system, a little heavier if, if you eat like some ice cream in the evening or a lot of cheese one day, you might notice this showing up a little more for you. Um, more of like a yellowish coating would be a pitta imbalance. So more fiery, probably eat some spicier foods. You might have some looser stools or like diarrhea, mm -hmm. you know, the day or two before that. Um, and then more of like a brownish grayish is vata. So yeah, just some drier dryness in your system for sure. It's so interesting that it can tell you so much just yeah. from like scraping your tongue with a metal thing every morning. Yeah. <laughs> so I have a few like quick questions that we'll go through before we wrap things up. The first one is, what makes you feel like your best self? Ooh, I think the more time I spend in these self-care practices, I feel better. Like just taking that time to notice what I need and then catering to that. So, I mean, it could be any, it definitely changes day to day. You know, if I need a yoga practice, if I need, you know, to drink a tea, if I just need a rest, if I need to go for a run, like I'm not going for a run. That's just a joke. <laughs> if I need to work out, um, you know, that is, it's there for some people but you know I think just doing that one little thing for yourself a day and the more you're in balance the better you're gonna feel so I think it changes all the time but it's just catering to that that need and that imbalance yeah so maybe like awareness to yeah know what you need and yeah. then doing that for sure yeah yeah just taking like five ten minutes that's why you know meditation is so awesome is just gives you like one second to like sit there and be like how do I even feel mm -hmm. you know because throughout the day, we don't really have that time. What's your favorite way to meditate? I would probably say using an app. Like I love Sam Harris's app, Waking Up. There's a million out there, you know, calm headspace. But it's just the most uh, like approachable way to do mm -hmm. it. It's so hard to start a meditation practice. It's so hard to just sit there on your own and do nothing for yeah. five minutes. But when you have someone, you know, just reminding you every once in a while to breathe and maybe guiding you through some sort of idea or thought, I think, yeah, grabbing your, an app is the best. What do you do to spark inspiration? Maybe when you're not feeling inspired. I think educating myself, um, like the more I learn, the more, I mean, the harder it is to like neglect those things, you know, the just the more you know. So really reading like articles or books or finding people that I you know, look up to on Instagram and reading some of their like bloggy type posts or recipes, just learning really is my biggest tool because when I know something, I can't not do it, you know? Yeah. And what is your best piece of advice to make the world a better place? Like something if we all followed, we'd all be better off. I might've said this word 30 times, but yeah. probably being aware. I mean, the more you're aware of yourself and, you know, if you're feeling a little imbalanced or having an off day to just know that about yourself and not, you know, reflecting that onto somebody else, but taking time to balance it out yourself instead of making it someone else's problem. If, if everyone did that, we wouldn't be bouncing off each other so hard, you know, mm -hmm. it wouldn't be such a fight. It would be, you know, you're just taking care of yourself and then you're giving everyone else your best self. Um, so yeah, just awareness of how you feel and, and what you need and mm -hmm. expressing that to other people doing it for yourself, being aware of other people and how they feel and maybe what they need 
and trying to give it to them. Are there any resources that have been super helpful for you in your journey and learning about Ayurveda and like holistic approach? Anything that you can give as a resource? Website wise, I would say um, Banyan Botanicals. It is like all things Ayurveda. You can buy they have products, right? Yeah, they have products. They have like mas- the self oil massage, mm-hmm. they have herbs, tongue scrapers. I mean, they have everything. They have quizzes to figure out your dosha. They have articles. Um, they have it all. So I would say that would probably be a really good intro website to just go on to to kind of learn a little bit. And then books, again, like I said, reading. Um, there's a local in Kansas City Ayurvedic practitioner that I really look up to, Sarah Kusera. And she has a book called The Ayurvedic Self-Care Handbook. And it's like the most approachable self-care practices. Gives you a little brief thing about Ayurveda in the beginning and then how to bring these things into your daily life. And then another doctor that I really respect and looked up up to is Dr. Ladd. Um, He is an Indian doctor and he brought Ayurveda over to the Western Mm. world. So really his, his documentary called The Doctor from India is the most like inspiring thing. I mean, it like totally will make you believe in Ayurveda and just watching him practice is like so inspiring. Where can you find that documentary? I think I watched it on Amazon Prime okay. quite a while ago, like two years ago. So it might be a little more available now. But yeah, that, that documentary is awesome. Finding some books are awesome. And I mean, there's endless information online. Well, my last question is just where can people find you online? How can they get involved with you? I know you take clients. So where's the best place for people to find you? It's pretty simple. My social media is just at Ali Judy on Instagram. And then my website is also AliJudy.com. You can book appointments there. I take people online since COVID is Mm -hmm. happening right now um, over Zoom, over the phone. um, And yeah, I share Ayurvedic type stuff, yoga type stuff on my Instagram um, daily. All right, everyone. First episode is in the books. Let's look back on this in five years and see how far we've come. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe or leave a review and help me grow this thing. I will see you in the next episode.